Moncrief on News Talk. It is indeed time for parenting. Joanna Fortune joins us uh, once again. Afternoon, Afternoon Joanna. Afternoon, John. Uh, right, so we're always smirking because we're gossiping in, in the ad <laughs> break. Uh, right, here's the first question. My four and a half year old son has been upset the last couple of nights at bedtime mm-hmm. saying that he wants to move back to granddad's house. When I ask him why, he says this house is crazy and that his young sister follows him around too much and tries to fight with him playfully. He says he wants to move back to our old home without his sister and live there. Just me and him. We've been living in our own home for nine months now and we've explained why we can't go back to granddad's. No room for us there. It's nice to have our own space, etc. But really, this is just about his relationship with his sister. She's almost two and recently they've been clashing quite a bit. I've tried to reassure him, telling his sister loves them and only means well. But she's still a little young and might not play how he plays yet. I don't spend any more time with her than I do with him. And I'm really struggling to understand where this has come from. We won't be having any more kids, so it'll just be just the two of them. My biggest fear is that they won't stay close over the years and will lose their relationship. I come from a big family and feel blessed to have so many brothers and sisters. I don't want to force this with them, but I also uh, want to help him enjoy her company more. Oh, I think you're setting yourself so many tasks here. And I would say to take the pressure off yourself. I mean, there's a few things here. You've been in your own home for nine months. Great. Congratulations. Not an easy thing to do these days. So absolutely great. But it's still, if if you put nine months, especially in terms of a percentage of the two-year-old's life, she has changed a huge amount in that nine months. Oh, so, Because yeah. she obviously lived with them in Grandad's house too when you do the maths. But when they moved into the new house, she was still very much a baby, you know. So she may not have been intruding on his space or encroaching on his activities as much at that stage. But now she's too and intrigued and interested and absolutely intrusive on all things him because she's delighted with him and he's fascinating to her and what he does and she will show it in a beautifully clumsy toddler way which is wrecking his stuff and taking his things and trying to insert herself in the way that two-year-olds do Mm. into play and a four-year-old is, you know, more refined, you know, he's four and a half going, mm, I really want my blocks this way because I'm actually in the middle of a story mm. and there's layers to this narrative and you're just coming in and crashing all over it. So, so far, so normal. Just not very pleasant, by the way, but mm. normal. But I'm thinking when he says, I want to go back to granddad's, this house is crazy. He's speaking of a time rather than just a place. Yeah. When we were in granddad's, things were different. So his sister wasn't as much in his space or competing with him within the play. But also he did have granddad's. So don't rule out that there is a part of that there, too, because grandparents are just amazing for kids to have, you know, because they have time and patience. I'm generalizing, but, you know, they have time and patience that he could say, well, I'll walk away from this and do a job with granddad. I'll help out with something. I'll get involved in activity. There was someone else there that he could maybe retreat into or escape from. So a lot has gone on for him, you know, and I just think hold that in mind. So you're absolutely right that they're clashing quite a bit, but it is a developmental clash. It's exactly as I would expect it to be at this age. So please don't overread into this that they don't get on at two and four. They will never get on in their lives. I mean, that just won't follow through. And an awful lot more variables would have to kick in for that to actually uh, come through overall. I'd come at him with A&E, acceptance and empathy and say to him, you're right, this house can be crazy. 
It's crazy yeah. when you've got a little sister and she's shouting and trying to do things like you because she thinks she can do what you can, but we know she can't. And she has to learn that and acknowledge for him and empathise. It's really hard when she's wrecking your stuff or taking your stuff and you're not getting that space. In- instead of saying to him, oh, she's only little or give her time. And, you know, we often do that as parents. I think actually go, you're right. Give it to him and say yeah, he's absolutely yeah. right on this and empathise with it. I also think there's something, Sean, when this parent says, I don't give her any more time than I do him. Maybe he does need more time than her. Ah. I would be thinking, OK, let's think about that. Could you give him? And I don't mean it tons more time. Mm. I mean pockets of time when you are just playing with him or just out for a walk and a chat with him or just stopping for a hot chocolate with him on the way home from something or putting him in the car when you're going through the car wash or doing the grocery or whatever it is. That might be a nightmare with some four-year-olds, but it might work with others, you know, but giving him that little extra bit of one-on-one time. Yes. Because what he's actually craving is space and it's not physical space, it's emotional space. He feels he wants a bit of downtime, quieter Mm. time, more individual focus. If you can give that to him in those pockets, I would take it that way. Yeah, maybe bring him to visit Grandad. Absolutely. Maybe Grandad would take him out for a while. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you can see why oh, actually no because totally. a year you know a year or so ago he was he was you know most of the attention from three adults who were doting yeah. uh, on him and, and he could uh, call the shots with what yeah. he wanted to do with his own play and now he's got this little competitor you know? <laughs> so not easy but they will come good and they will catch up with each other but it's hard for like two and four and a half is a big age gap mm. later on when they're you know 16 and 18 and a half or 18 and 20 it won't be such a big gap. Yeah. And if they don't get on, it's for a completely different set of reasons. Different other reasons, than yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a little worried about my five-year-old. She feels emotions to extremes. She gets very upset if another child cries in school and tells me all about their sadness when she gets home. We have to be very careful about the movies and TV we watch because she can't handle any cartoon jeopardy or sadness. She even notices when an older person is alone in a cafe or walking in the park and wants to make friends with them so they won't be lonely. She expresses herself very well, but it's like she's taking the weight of the world on her shoulders. And I don't know where it's come from. I worry she's getting overwhelmed with her perceptions of the world. Is it worrying that she seems to be permanently on high alert for problems? Sometimes I think she isn't as carefree as other children. Is this something she'll grow out of? Oh, the poor little thing. I mean, that is a deep feeling little child. And she does sound the way that you're even reading that out. You know, she does sound very intuitive, really perceptive, showing high levels of empathy, both to and for others. Um, She seems like she's impacted by others' emotions. Mm. These are just traits I'd be watching for, you know, because they are signs of what we would describe as a highly sensitive person. And this isn't wrong. This isn't a psychopathologized sense. Sensitivity. Yeah. It's just that some people feel the world at a much deeper level than others do. And it can make negotiating quite an insensitive world at times and insensitive people in the world. It can make negotiating this world quite difficult. And it's be- as an adult, by the way, that's true. But for a young child who's still trying to develop those filters to work out, well, what's my feelings and what's your feelings and everyone else's feelings? That's not in place yet. So Mm. actually, she's just like this little feeling sponge soaking up everyone's emotional resonance and going, do you know what? It's too much. And she's showing you it's too much because she's getting overwhelmed. She's crying. She's communicating with you that 
I'm carrying a lot right now. So you want to keep that communication open. I also would watch for any signs that she might show you that she's feeling overwhelmed by other sensory stimuli she might be sensitive to. And she might not, by the way, but just keep an eye for is she sensitive to lights or sounds or smells? Do other stimuli trigger a hypersensitivity in her? And if this was to intensify or include a broader sensory range, you might want to consult with an occupational therapist who can give you some sensory regulation support for her around that. At the moment, what you describe is very much in the realm of emotional heightened sensitivity. I don't say that to minimise, but let's Mm, stick with what mm. we know uh, rather than that. I think you don't try to fix this in her. This is part of who she is and how she is. I think as she gets older and has a greater degree of self-regulation and management of this, this could be like having a superpower. You know, she will read situations, people um, and environments very quickly. Yeah, she's going to pick up on things. I think for now, you could provide more downtime, lots of downtime. And by downtime, I mean, you might even want to create a quiet space that could be a cushion corner or, you know, I'm just thinking in my own house, there's a space under the stairs, which we put loads of clutter in. But actually some kind of a space (laughs) like that could become very much, you know, where you could put some soft lights just cushions or no lights at all and just let her sit there. Not that she has to do anything and not that Mm. it's anything to do with behaviour or consequencing or anything like that, but it's her space just to come down because she may need to just recalibrate when she comes home after being exposed to a lot of other people's feelings and stuff out there. That can be very helpful. I think also ring fence every day some feeling chat time. Let's think about our feelings. She's very young. She could also draw her feelings with you. You could be using some Play-Doh or sensory play while thinking and talking about feelings. That's another way of working them through in a doing rather than just saying way because it's hard to talk about feelings at that age and develop a signal with her, a nonverbal cue that if she's feeling Everything is at a too much level for me. You have it something like she can tap her elbow or touch your shoulder or just pull her little earlobe or something like that, that you will see. You will get her to a quiet space and you will sit with her and be with her in that, not trying to minimize, dismiss or fix, but just being with her. You're not alone with this. Mm. I can sit with you until this passes and we'll get through it together. I think I'd like to put in this parent's mind as well. I've mentioned this book many times, but when we talk about feelings that for children this age, it really is one of the better ones out there. Molly Potter's How Are You Feeling? Because she could find her feeling of the moment, go to the page that correlates and there's six to eight things that she can do when yes. she feels that way. And there is somebody, um, Dr. Aoife Durkin, who is a psychologist and she is online under the highly sensitive psychologist. You'll find her on Instagram under that handle or drifadurkin.com. She specializes in highly sensitive people and working with an understanding and does a lot of work with parents. So you might find some of her posts and the information and videos and vlogs she shares quite helpful in this. I think she could be a useful resource as well when you're parenting a highly sensitive child. Is it uh, is it a kind of a, I don't know, developmental milestone, but a, a, a developmental feature that you learn over time to perhaps like because it often strikes me like if I'm walking into work, if if you if you walk from where I got off the dart to work and you you, you counted the amount of homeless people they were and you you pondered the individual tragedy yeah. of that, you, you know, you'd have had a nervous breakdown yeah. before I, I got to work. So you kind of and people do it all the time. And it's not a cruelty. You kind of block those things out mm. because it's, it would be overload to do Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So is that a thing people generally learn to do? 
Well, a highly sensitive person will feel that, Mm. will not be able to filter out, you know, that's going to be too much for me. I've got to self-regulate and mind myself with how much I can take on before I get saturated because I have to function today, I have jobs to do. A sensitive person will simply feel that and will take it on and have to try to manage the arousal. Mm. The management of that arousal is something that you can acquire skills and that growing up and learning capacities to self-regulate and knowing what works for you. That maybe if I've had a very difficult walk to work or a journey like that and I've had, I'm feeling quite overwhelmed by the time I get into the office. Maybe I know that I need to go to a meeting room or get my cup of tea or not go online or maybe put on some noise cancelling headphones for 15, 20 minutes before I talk to anyone. Yes. So I will have strategies that I can employ that will help me stay regulated enough when that happens rather than it going away. Yes, so yeah, a highly course. sensitive child may always stay highly sensitive, but the management and regulation of the impact is what will grow hopefully over time. Uh, just going back to, well, the two and the four year old who the four year old is a bit bothered by the two year old at the moment. Uh, someone sex in to say, I have three children, a boy 15, girl 13, a boy nine. My daughter detests my nine year old. He's very sensitive and just wants her to accept him. But she looks at him with hate and he ends up crying every day. I have tried so much spending extra time with her, having girl days out, etc. But nothing seems to work. Can Joanna suggest more I could do? Is she the 13-year-old, the yeah, girl? Yes, yeah. You know, it's t- yeah, the girl's 13, the boy's nine. Yeah. yeah, it's tough being 13. Yeah. And a 13-year-old girl, I mean, she's got she's got her own stuff going on. She can't take his stuff on as well. Yeah, she needs him yeah. now too. So that is really about just supporting her. She's in early adolescence and there's a whole lot of developmental change going on for her. So it might be about when you're spending the time with her, which is great, but just every now and then just saying to her, or again, using a nonverbal signal, you've crossed a line into the too mean to him, actually. How Mm. do you think that's landing? And you're not scolding or critiquing or giving out, but you're just giving her the nod of, I'd rather you walk away than keep talking yeah. to him like that. Yeah. This is time to take a break. Um, again, though, he they're very developmentally different, aren't mm. they? And especially if he's so needy of her approval, actually, she may find that really irritating. Yes, yeah. She doesn't want yeah. to be needed by him and she doesn't <laughs> want to attend to his feelings yeah. because so much yeah. is going on for her. That's just really difficult. Yeah. yeah. My son is 11. He's a little overweight. He's been tubby since he was a young child and we never got a handle on it once the pandemic hit. With lockdown, knockdowns and no after-school activities, he put on quite a bit of weight and we had to buy bigger clothes for him. His siblings are a good bit older than him and they were always more active. So he's comparing himself and starting to say things like, I hate my tummy. I can't run because I'm fat. I'm fatter than my brothers. How do I start a conversation and plan with him that isn't going to shame him or give him the impression that he'll be better when he loses weight. I know we have to reduce the amount of sweets and treats, but I worry he'll learn restrictive habits or to see certain foods as bad. He'll start secondary school in September 2024, and we all know how hard that can be, so I would love for him to have his confidence back before then. I, do you know, there's so much in here that I'm like, hmm, what about, you know, there's questions for me here. So he has brothers who are significantly older, a good bit older, it says here, and they're always more active. So what I'm wondering is, 
you know, is it that he's innately not as interested in activity or just the way family life was when mm. he was younger, that it just isn't something that was available or that was encouraged or facilitated? There could be lots of reasons for that, you know, um, in terms of what's accessible in your area. I also wonder, could you see his brothers as a resource to support you with this? There's a lot of I have to help him. I'm going to sort this out. He's got two active, yeah, old, yeah. good bit older brothers. Could they encourage more active participation, more movement, more engagement, really? Mm. And that's also the thing, like you say here, he has always had this type of body shape. So this isn't a recent change that we're looking at. Actually, this kid has always had this body type. And, you know, generally, Sean, I'd look at it if somebody, be they child or adult, if you have adequate energy to with relative ease, live an active or fully participate in life and everything you have to do, your tasks and enjoy life, you're okay. Mm. Um, I do think it's a reminder for us all how body size is judged in society that you're and I understand it, by the way, that you're already anxiety and fearful of oh, secondary school a year and a half away Mm. from now. I've got to get this sorted. I don't want him getting hassle. The fact that we know kids can get hassle, people can be harassed, harangued, bullied because of body size is in itself quite a statement. Um, I would look at this that bodies come in all shapes and sizes so I don't want to decide because he might have a larger shaped body that he's unhealthy like it sounds to Mm. me like there isn't any health concerns per se but he is saying he's struggling with this. So we would respond to the fact that he wants to make changes. When you say you, you have to reduce the amount of sweets and treats I mean, are these sweets and treats you're buying and bringing into the house? Because then, yes, you have control over that. If these are sweets and treats that he's buying because he has disposable income or pocket money himself uh, or discretionary spend money, then actually you'll have to talk to him about what that money is for because... That's part of independence building, yeah, you know. Yeah. So I would look at this like talk positively about what bodies can do rather than how they look. Talk about increasing fitness, not losing weight. I think language really matters with this stuff, particularly which for all of us, but particularly with children. I think tell him calmly that you're going to have less sugary foods in the house to help everyone make healthy food choices. But nothing is banned nothing is bad. Yeah. And that's yeah. really important. I think as well, you could talk about how amazing bodies are, um, you know, all the things they can do, how they support us during the day. But the really important bit when you're talking about getting more activity in is help him to find an activity that he enjoys. Anyone listening who's ever made that whole typically New Year's thing of I'm going to the gym. If you hate the gym, look at my face. I clearly hate the gym, but I will do (laughs) any other type of activity. But the gym, I have a a resistance to and I could join 10 gyms. I won't sustain that Mm. engagement. Other people would be like, no, I love it. I love the community. I love that connection in there. And other people working out inspires me. Find the thing that's fun, if it's dancing, if it's running, if it's hill walking, whatever it might be, because if it's fun, then he will sustain it. If it feels like I have to do this, immediately your whole attitude changes and resistance comes with that. Yeah. Joanna, thanks a million as ever. Joanna Fortune there. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.